onda, mi gente? It's your girl, Alice Jasmine, and welcome to Hello Latino. I am currently beaming because I'm so excited for y'all to listen to this episode and hear from Jasmine Vallejo. She is a community engagement and diversity, equity, and inclusion professional with 10 years of experience at Fortune 500 companies within tech, sports entertainment, and the education sector. Currently, she's at Meta as a public policy manager for community engagement. But her work has really been fueled by her passion for advocating for underrepresented communities by holding spaces that foster intersectionality, community, and the rights of marginalized people. Coming from a family of migrant farm workers and growing up in an underserved community on the south side of San Antonio, it's important to Jasmine to shine light on the lack of representation in technology and empower communities that have shaped her as a young Latina. So excited for y'all to hear from her. Um, and you might just be laughing and crying throughout the episode. So, que disfruten. Hope y'all enjoy this episode. Um, I want to start with the first question. I love starting with this question because it just shows the diversity in Latinidad and how we all have different walks and backgrounds and places we uh, we like come kind of go into our identity, right? I think like I always say identity is um kind of a mesh of our experiences, our how we grew up, our culture, where we're from. And it's kind of a mix of whatever we want it to be. So Jasmine, I love saying your name by the way. Um how do you identify and why? Well first off, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um thank you for sharing the space. Um I think identity is just, like you mentioned, it's just such a beautiful thing because it's ours. Like, it's mine, and it's how I show up in the world. Um, so I identify as Latina in the Latinx and Afro-Latinx community. Um, I also identify as Tejana. I'm based out of Texas, born and raised. Um, I also identify as first-gen. I identify as, let's see, Poderosa, as a chingona. Hey. <laughs> Um, and where's my abuelo's wildest dreams? Like the list can go on and on, but when I think of who I am and my core, those are just a couple of the words that come to mind. Mm. Girl, when he said poderosa, I was like, yes, let them know. <laughs> but yeah, I, you're... we out here, girl, and there's, there's so much I want to unpack and like talk about when it comes to your story, who you are, what you're doing. But I kind of want to take it back to like little Jasmine walking around and like doing her thing and really figuring out kind of like those like uh principios you know of your identity like talk about what it meant for you growing up as like first gen um and talk about like your is it your parents immigration story or your immigration story talk about that journey that led you to to Texas to being a little Texas girl so my story begins with my abuelitos and my parents they were all migrant farm workers and I just remember the stories that they'd share, um, you know, just packing up the choquita and driving away to find work. And it wasn't just a town over or two towns over. It's driving states away uh, to yeah. work in fields just to make $2 a day, $5 a day. You know, and, yeah. and a lot of that resiliency story was just so rooted in a lot of the conversations that I had with my parents growing up. Or when I would sit down with my, I met one or two of my grandparents. And I would sit down and then share these stories and it was just so real and it was so raw. Mm. And from an early age, I've always just been hyper aware of my upbringing and the struggles that everyone went through when, you know, the resiliency that they had. And unfortunately also just the, the way that we were lower income was very apparent. So it seemed very much like generational that, that my grandparents struggled. And then it was passed down to my parents struggling, then passed down to me and my brother, you know, struggling as well. But I think it really just like set the foundation to who I am now. Um, and I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm Tejana. I grew <laughs> up on the South Side of San Antonio. So South Side to everybody I represent. That is my, <laughs> that is my area, true and true. Um, you know, and I remember some like joyous moments of Chiquita Jasmine and all of my upbringing, but I also like in hindsight can reflect on this so many aspects of my life that I had to grow up faster and I had to mature faster and 
I say this because that story is so relatable to so many of us in our community that not that we're ashamed or I can speak for myself. I, I feel like I was ashamed a little bit of let me mask who we are at home and let me let me show up in um, a different aspect that people won't realize and and peel the layers off of me. So let me just assimilate, right? Um, and I think like my brother and I, we had to grow quickly out of peer survival. But I think that perspective just taught me so much about so many things, being resilient, setting boundaries, um, to even now switching from surviving to thriving, right? And all of that's a, a work in progress. Oh, she says surviving to thriving. That's so real. <laughs> But I want to unpack what you're talking about when it comes to like being hyper aware, because that is something that our community deals with a lot. Right. Like you're so I was just talking about this yesterday. um, Like you're so hyper aware of your story, your struggle and where you fit in the socioeconomic world. Right. Like it's weird. It's so crazy. I brought the perfect story that and I don't even know if my mom remembers this, but we were at a grocery store once and I like threw in the candy bar that I wanted on the like conveyor belt to pay. And my mom just gave me a look. She grabbed the candy and she put it back. And I looked at her and I like looked at my dad and I was like, Papi, you'll get all the Twizzlers. Grabbed it, put it back in. And my dad goes, Mija, no. Grabs it, takes it out. So of course I was, what, maybe nine, eight or nine and I was so fussy about it. Like, I wanted the candy. Why did you get me the candy? It was a dollar. I didn't know the, like, aspect of, you know, money at that time. But right. I remember, I, you know, sat in the car and I was crying. And I was giving my parents a silent treatment. And we walked home. And my mom was like, asked me to set the table for dinner. I did. And then later, my dad was like, Mija, we need to talk. And I was like, we need to talk. I'm okay. We need to talk. This is stuff you see on like Seventh Heaven. Like this is stuff we yeah. see narrow for us. <laughs> Family meeting. I'm okay. We need to talk. And he was like, I I want to explain to you why I took the Twizzlers out. And I was like, Yeah, because you didn't want me to eat candy. He was like, No, Minha. We can afford the candy. We can't afford the dentist. And that was the perspective. And he was like, It hurts me that I can't give it to you. But if you get cavities. Because we can't take you. We can't set an appointment. We don't have that money. We don't have insurance. And that was that moment where I was like, oh, this is like a, this is a long-term strategy. This isn't like self-fulfillment right off the bat. This is, we can't deal with the post of this enjoyment right now. And I think that that kind of changed my perspective on a lot of things. And so that's why I had mentioned it. It was just very apparent of where I stood in the world. Girl, how did you, well, now I want to pick up from that story. How did that story that your dad was telling you, how did it change your perspective when just, you know, going from surviving to thriving, right? How did it affect you for your upbringing? Yeah, I think um, it was, it just, it was different on how I showed up. Um, in the spaces that I, you know, my dad was a janitor and he, we were in a different school district or he was a janitor at a different school district than what we lived, which that school district was predominantly white. Um, it was in the country. So you saw generational wealth where acres of land, and I'm talking 300 acres of land was passed down from like family name to family name. And we don't have real estate to our name. Nothing was passed down to my parents. You know, and so it was just very apparent to me as I walked and navigated the world that, you know, when my friends at school would say, oh, we're going to go here. We're going to travel for a summer vacation. I'd be like, oh, my vacation is in Corpus because my aunt lives there, which is like three miles or uh, three hours south of where we lived. So you could just see that things were just so different. And um, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. And then we'd just know I couldn't follow up on like, can I come? You know, can I join? Um, it was also apparent in inviting people over to our house. I remember when I grew up, um, one of my I had invited one of my friends for a sleepover, and you know the typical. Uh, I think it's typical that you know where my mom was like, "Let me meet the parents. Let me see who they are. Do I know this kid?" 
mm-hmm. like this is our home this is our sacred space so uh i remember i had asked one of my kids or one of my friends and she came over and nonchalantly I and mean, it's just what's passed down from parents right but nonchalantly she had asked me um oh don't you hear gunshots around here it's like Come okay gunshots and I was like, no, she's like, well, that's what my mom said. I couldn't see the night. And I was like, no, but it, you could just hear the bias that, you know, like she's like, oh, you from the South side, like you can go for a couple hours. We're going to pick you up. You aren't going to be there after dark, you know? And so it just, um, there were so many aspects that were just so apparent about this like socioeconomic status and like where yeah. I grew up and who I was. And I think in turn is still so beautiful to me because I'm like, let me change what you think this is because it, it's mm-hmm. not what you see on the tv and it's not what you demonize us for like there's so much beautiful community and culture around the latinx and, and black communities that i grew up in and you're missing out on that because of those biases you know so there's just a lot to like learn and navigate in, in those spaces because of what my parents like tried to protect me from but we're also very diligent on like, this is what our space in the world and this is how people perceive us and this is how we should navigate it because they also had to assimilate, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what you're saying is so spot on with like our parents try to protect us from all the things that they see and they feel and they don't want us to feel or see. And at the end of the day, it's almost like we're so hyper aware of it, but we like don't realize this bias that exists in other people because it does exist like you're saying your friend was like oh you hear gunshots you're like get <laughs> what <laughs> and it doesn't make sense to you you're like this is what you think and like it, it's just it's such an interesting place as a kid to really figure out like this is not where just we live in the world and exist in the world but this is how we exist in other people's minds like it's crazy mm-hmm. it's a whole different it's a whole different reality and perspective that you're just like what <laughs> and like it even rolled down to like speaking spanish like i remember i'd go into you know store with my parents and we speak spanish and my mom would like pull our ear or pull the arm and kind of give us that look and it was just so protected and like we could be ourselves and our culture and our community and our homes but the moment we walked into the world you had to kind of know your, your place and so she my parents also just didn't, they didn't want my brother and I to be discriminated against in the capacity that they were growing up as well, where they're, they migrant farm workers, they'd go to these farmers' fields. And if you spoke English, you were treated much differently than the ones who didn't speak English. So navigating the world with us and raising us, that's all my parents knew, right? So they were like, no, 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 chiquitas, in, in the house, aquí también, but outside, we don't want you to have the Latin accent. You need to assimilate. Like, what are the you know, American kids eating? How, what are they taking to lunch? You got to take that too. Like, mask yourself yeah. and fit in. And now, obviously, in hindsight, um, there's just so much pride in our culture and who we are. And to see my growth of where I am and how I show up in the world, my parents have now seen that. And that's a full circle moment for me. Then my dad's like, Como que, like, you don't want me to speak in Spanish at the mall. I'm going to do that. Yes. Girl, why can't be emotional? But is she You're so beautiful to be like? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, constantly prepare me for emotions, okay? <laughs> but it's just I'm so like, beautiful okay. to right? Like, yeah. my parents will blast their Tejano music and will wash the color and just show up so authentically themselves that I feel like I have evolved into a space where I'm like, listen, you're going to get me in my entirety. And if that makes you uncomfortable, you sit with that. It is not my job to make you feel uncomfortable because the moment I woke up when I was young and I stepped outside of my house, that uncomfortable threshold was very apparent. And I just got to a point the last couple of years that I'm like, I'm tired of being uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, mm. you sit with that. That's not on me to change. And I'm glad Good my girl. parents can now be like, yes, mamita, like, where are we going to go now? <laughs> <laughs> <Talk to." laughs> 
Let's let's scream Spanish, all right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. And the reason I got emotional is when you said like it's a full circle because I think that's just such a powerful moment for us in our generation. That first gen experience, right, is that we're taught to not take up space. We're taught to like, you know, hide and like just fit in and just be successful. If you keep your mouth quiet, bonita, you know, you can like make it, blah, blah, blah. You hear all these things, right? And it's all from a place of fear. And what I hear from you and part of that growth probably, because I feel it too for myself, was like embracing what it means to live in peace, right? Like from a place of survival and taking out the fear, like really like stepping into your own and saying, it's okay for me to take up space because if you know, if I'm not doing it, who's who else is going to do it? <laughs> like, no one's going to do it for me. <laughs> look like for future generations, right? Like, mm-hmm. I eventually yeah. want to be a mama, and I think that that's one of my callings in the world is to be a mama. And I want to be able to create a space where my little chingona that's in the world can come in her full, her full self and her full capacity. And if people don't like it, that's on them, and they lose out on joy on that who she is as a person, how strong she's going to be. But I just want to be able to do my part now to make sure that that safe space is fostered and that we change and we normalize. When we talk about people being authentic, we really got to let them be authentic. You know, when I do that in my like corporate space too, like, I'm sorry if my hopes make you feel uncomfortable or my Cortezes in my sneakers, you know, my beanie, my golds everywhere my red lips like i'm sorry that that makes you feel comfortable that has nothing to do with my impact and i want you to be able to like understand that you know Mm. oh girl you are speaking to my soul because it's so real and i and we're gonna unpack this like authenticity in the workplace because that's a really real thing and that's all part of that first gen experience i almost see like first gen latinos and like our generation of Latinos as like trailblazers are really trying to make space for us and our community and our people, things that our parents didn't have the the luxury or time really to do, right? Because it was survival. They had read, no other choice. No other choice. And I read a yeah. quote, um, be prepared girl, because it hit me like an 18 wheeler. But it said- Second tier, I'm ready. Gener- I know, right? Like, let me prep myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I read a Generational trauma will continue to pass through bloodlines until somebody is ready to heal and to process it. And it was from a millennial, um, a millennial Latina. And, oh, I just got chills. And the way that she just expressed it, it was just mind-blowing to me that I was like, yeah, you've known this. You've known that your ancestors kind of chose you. And I feel like they chose a lot of the millennials because it's us kind of working through generational trauma, generational healing, generational wealth. What does generational health look like? Um, yeah. and, and when I, I heard it, I was like, oh, no, yeah. But it's there's so much beauty in that because our next generation is going to be able to process their feelings and, you know, have access to therapy and access to healthcare and things like that, then I think, yes, it's tough in the moment, but that's not what's getting me through it. The moment of like evolving for the next generation is what kind of like holds me. And also I think the past too, right? Like shout out to my ancestors, shout out to my mommy, my abuelitas, like I'm, I'm living for y'all. Like, I'm sorry, y'all struggled. And I speak to you every morning when I have my morning cafecito and I say thanks and I say grace and I have that gratitude who I am for the generations before me and the generations after. Oh, girl. And that's that's the beautiful thing about who we are and our where we identify that first gen Latino. I'm, I'm going to go back to first gen because I think it goes back to like, we're kind of in between it, right? It feels like we're right in the middle between all our ancestors, the people who brought us to Texas, to California, wherever we're from. And then we're also kind of the people that get to decide what our future can look like and what our future generations will will look like, how they will celebrate, how they will rejoice, right, in the culture and how they will build emotional intelligence and build like generational wealth. Like it's just we're literally in between these two like polar opposite worlds that we're kind of the one unifying it. Right. And it's kind of a weird yeah. place. It's a lot of work, <laughs> but it's kind of. 
if that's your why, right? You're doing it for your ancestors, for your abuelitos, for, you know, I do it for my parents and they're my why. They're part of, they're a big part of my why. And I'm also thinking about same yeah. as you being a mother and creating a family of my own and like just thinking, I'm like, man, my kids are going to be so like emotionally aware. They're going to be able to talk about how they feel. Like, I'm just so excited for that moment of like, ¿Qué pasa, ¿Qué pasa, hija? ¿Qué pasa? Habla conmigo. Estoy tu mami. And just having that, like, I'm excited for, um, I've been reading a lot about, like, gentle parenting. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like you mentioned, like, emotional intelligence, right? And how you communicate to kids and how you help them process their feelings. Like, I have, oh, I have a million nieces and nephews. And I look to them and, yeah. you know, if I feel like something's off, I kind of practice in a way, you know, but I also just <laughs> look at myself and I guess it's it's a lot of healing for my inner child of a lot of healing when I talk to my nieces and nephews of I want to be who I didn't have when yeah. I was growing up. Ooh, girl. So when I talk to them, I'm like, I'm like, are, are you okay? You know, like, you know, you can talk to me. This is a safe space. Um, and I, I know that they feel that energy and whenever mm. they're ready to to me about whatever and they have wonderful parents and my brother's amazing with kids um but i just want to be able to know that whatever i didn't have when i was growing up i can foster that now and like share that with my nieces and nephews and being like y'all have my number any time of the day you need me i will be down the world like i yeah. hear you know that's so beautiful girl because there's something about being a tia that just hits different because yeah. it is almost like your practice round, isn't it? It's like, yes. <laughs> and then when okay. you're like, I'm like, here you go. There you go. There you go. I'll see you next week. That's how I feel. I'm the same way, girl. I got nieces and nephews, le nephews like left and right. And I, I have four that I that like grew up down the street from me. And I saw them. There's a tiernos, like little babies to, they're all grown boys now. They're, there's five of them. and same thing I, I have a nephew and like he he will be seen as el, el que muy loco un remolino he's crazy he's like running around all the time and people always see him as and I wouldn't say my family calls him this but people would say like he's a problem child he's like always mm -hmm. like being disruptive he's the class clown he's the one that just wants to be in PE and doesn't want to be in class but I'm like when I talk to him like Gio what's wrong get the pasta you know what's uh -huh. going on what's going on and it's always so cute to me when kids are trying to explain their feelings because they have no idea. They're like, "What? what's going on? This is how I feel. I'm mad. I'm sad. I'm this. But healing your inner child, like being the youngest of seven, I felt like I got all the attention, but no one really asked me like, ¿Cómo estás? Like, how are you? And that to me is a really real thing. And so I love asking my nephews day in and day out, how are you? How was school today? How is this? How is that? And really like, they feel that love from a tia because they just almost feel like, I think they almost feel like you're one of us. Like you're, you're my, you're my, you're my homie. You're my best friend. You're my tia. You're a real one. Like that's how, that's how I view myself in their head. I'm like, I'm a real one to them. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so much, it's an easier way for, for them, I think, to just communicate. Like I, I would hope I live with them, but I would hope that like my brother and his wife has fostered a safe space for that, for the kids to come to them, right? But in the event that they may not feel safe for whatever reason, they know that there's like a branch of the family that yeah. they're like, maybe the Jasmine can tell them, you know? Yeah. Or maybe I can just, whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth and I know Jasmine's going to accept it, right? Um, and so there's just a lot of things to like when I hear them share their stories, I reflect on who I was when I was in high school and yeah. I'll like, try to ask them those questions of like you know if there's bullying that's happening with them and like well, where did that come from you know can you remember like were y'all friends before like just trying to get them to understand holistically like what's happening but also um creating that space where they know that uh, the the way that people act is often a projection of them their inner selves and they're just projecting that onto other people so just have grace with that and just like let it go you know and I hope to that they kind of take a little bit of that as well I'm just being like yeah right like I'm just gonna 100%. continue going to school. I'm just 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it could really change the game for them, right? It could really change their whole experience, their quality of life. I know it's like crazy because they're so young, but like, really, if I had someone tell me all that when I was like a kid going through it, like, it would it would have created a different dynamic for me in friendships, in like experiences, situations I was in. I just think it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful thing to be at the end. And it's again that practice around, and it's almost learning how to. Like when you really break down what a safe space is, it's like creating a judgment-free zone that kids are sometimes too scared to to be real, to be honest, because they're like, oh, I don't want to mm-hmm. get in trouble. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And so when you are really creating that space where it's like, like vent, it's a judgment-free zone. You could have said something that you shouldn't have said, but it's fine. I'm going to just hear you. I think creating that space yeah. is powerful for them. I mean, I'm like, I never had that growing up. <laughs> I was always scared to say anything. Right? Yeah. And I just hope that like, you know, I've been thinking about um, like my legacy. And I think with like, especially the pandemic, it's much more apparent. Time is more apparent now. Like we're almost going three years into this and it's still the same. Like I'm still in my small corner. I'm working from home, like very fortunate and very so privileged. And I acknowledge that and have gratitude every day for it. But it doesn't make it less difficult. You know, and on my end, just trying to process, like, if tomorrow doesn't come, um, because anything can happen is what the world has shown us the last couple of years. um, What are people going to remember me by? And I just try to, I would hope that people think that I have made them feel included of some community Mm -hmm. and that they felt seen and they felt heard. And they felt like they had somebody. And to me, that's just so important because I feel like it was a very lonely place growing up and trying to navigate this like experience um, of being a lot of first gens, the first to go to college, the first to have a corporate job, the first to, you know, have a salary job and 401k, retirement plan, things like that. But I often think back and I'm like, I wish I would have been part of some community that could have had these conversations or held these spaces for me. So I hope that like whoever I I meet, if it starts with my nieces and nephews, that they they're like, no, Jasmine made me feel seen and heard and part of her Mm -hmm. community, you know? Girl, we are like soul sisters. I'm like, who who is this Jasmine? Where has she been all my life? Girl, don't tell me. Um, I will book a play. We will. Girl, <laughs> get over here when we're all like COVID free. But <laughs> I'm like, it's COVID central all over the world. Um, But I want to go back to South San Antonio because paint the picture for little people like me who are in California, who been to San Antonio one time to go see the Alamo. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> and you're like, it's much smaller than what it looks like in the books. For real. For real. Um, I didn't even know. This is like my bad. I was like, I'm not a history person. So my brother was like, let's go see the Alamo. He lives in Austin. And I was like, what's that? And then he told me and I was like, oh, I'm so I'm so mad at myself for not knowing that. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah. So South Side San Antonio, it's so rich. Um, there's so much culture. My heart and soul belongs in San Antonio. I'm based out of Austin now. I've been here since 2012. I'm sorry. 2008. I've been here for a while. Graduated college in 2012. But yeah. um, I, South San Antonio, just it's so rich and so colorful, and the the Latinx community is just so prominent there. You walk around, you feel like you're part of a community. Um, I remember this one time my mom had made a meal, and she was like, "Mija, take it to so and so." And I was like, mommy, do not get away. Like, go get and take it to so-and-so. And she's like, take it. I was like, oh, mama used the voice and the face. No more. That's I'm how going. you know. That's how you know. That's how you know. So I, like, take the pot and the plates over to them. And, and I just, I knock. And, you know, our neighbor just started crying. And she's like, and he kind of, like, tell your mommy thank you. And I was like, okay. So I go. And I was like, mommy, she started crying. I didn't say anything. She just said, say thank you. And later she was like, you know, they lost their job and nobody in our community goes without food, without eating. So that's why I wanted you to take the food to them. No questions asked. We'll get through this together. I was like, oh, 
that's why you were like, don't be asking nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but it was oh. just such a learning moment that like that was community of who we were around our neighborhood, right? And and that's a little bit of the South Side. Like everybody mm-hmm. was themselves, like with the kids riding around bikes. Um, they had a music blasting. Somebody was making barbecue. So you'd walk outside, you'd <laughs> smell the Texas ribs and the barbacoa mm-hmm. and you were like, Who, where's the smoke coming from? Who am I about to knock on their door and be like, hi, did so-and-so play? And you're really going over for dinner, right? Um, it's just everybody knew each other. Um, and I grew up on the south side, but like I mentioned, my dad was a janitor on the east side of San Antonio. So I had a little bit of both worlds where I think, like you mentioned, um, you it was just very apparent of like my place because my yeah. world was the south side of San Antonio, where I would walk in and I was represented. That's all I knew was to be Latina. And I was in the space and I could speak Spanglish and I could speak Spanish and we could speak Caribbean Spanish, we could speak Tex-Mex Spanish and everybody understood each other. And I then I'd walk into a space that was predominantly white. I was like, oh, this is a different type of Jasmine. And then, if, you know, when I grew up, I was like, oh, okay, um, that's what code And that switch- was the beginning of code switching. That was the beginning of code mm. switching, of understanding that and being like, how do you show up in these places that most often aren't safe, right? And I've taken that, I know we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I've taken that into the workspace too. Um, but there's just so much beauty now where I'm like, I want to build a world where I don't have to code switch. I, I, you, you're not going to get all of me because you don't, some people may not deserve the joy that I get to bring in the world. And that is very sacred and very, I'm very protective of that and who I am. But I want to be able to, you know, and I'm starting to where I sit in a room and predominantly white leadership and often white males. And I sit in there and I, you know, will speak, you know, what my thoughts are. Or I'll push on some ideas that they have. And I'll be very vocal. And sometimes people are like, Jasmine, maybe I'm not the right place in that time. And I'm like, but why? Who set those boundaries? Like, was that for a system that wasn't created for me? Like, I, I'm having a conversation. Like, what is this, like, lateral, you know, way in the workspace? Like, what does that mean to people? There was no, like, animosity towards it. It was just like, let's think through this together if we're an actual team, you know? And I've had like VPs message me after a meeting and being like, thank you so much for speaking up. I didn't realize, you know, X, Y, Z. I never thought about it that way. And I'm like, see, like this just little by little, just changing it. And I think all your delivery has a lot to do with that, right? Like how the message lands. And if you lead with empathy and you lead with, with, you know, this is my knowledge and this is my background and this is how we can I can show you what where my thoughts are coming from. That's where I think that like world comes together. And obviously code switching, I think will always be a thing, but I just hope that we don't have to have it so far end of each other, you know? Oh, girl, girl, I, I'm like so in tune with you because you're talking about growing up South Antonio, South San Antonio to like East, the East side. Right. Um, And for me, I'm like feeling like, it's so crazy to me that I can like see you, see your story, see you for your fullness and also feel like that was my experience too. And this is the power of stories, of sharing more of our stories, right? Is that we see ourselves in these spaces and these experiences that you have. And I'm thinking of the moment where growing up, I yeah, I was surrounded by Latinos. There was nothing else that I knew. I was like, I speak Spanish. I'm like, me checas, you know, when we were in middle school, when we were like, you know, <laughs> Like a chunk like that for me in like we're like I don't know another word for yeah for a sandal mm-hmm. right like it's just yeah. it's a chunk that it's a like chungla. a chungle or or una like liga, just una, yeah uh huh like and then there's just so much beauty too where you you realize that we're multifaceted in our own community that there's so many different words and slangs and definitions and oh my God. things that we call straws we get yeah. straw. Like straw, there's so many words. What do you for say though? What do you and say? I say pajilla. People say, see? No, no, no. I mean, there's beauty in that, right? Yeah. Like finding yeah. That, that, that there's just so many different, or like tamales, like this holiday season, there's just so many ways to make a tamale. And I've oh. only known my Mexican tamales, which are mm-hmm. bomb. But then my Salvadorian friend was like, nah, 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 I got to give you one of my tamales. And I was like, 
yo, your tamales are huge. Like, what do you, what, what is this? You know, girl, so that just, just happened this holiday because my man, it was the first time he was meeting the family for Christmas for Noche Buena, and he had some Honduran tamales. And he was like feeling the type of way about it. He was like, oh, this is so interesting. This is new. And then I tried his pasteles. He's Puerto Rican. And I tried his pasteles and I was like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> I'm like still all about my Honduran tamales though. Right. He's all about his pasteles. But it's just, it's crazy to me that we're just, you, like you're saying, we're multifaceted. We have these like, we're just so dynamic, so rich in like the way that we maneuver the world is so interrupted when we're in a new space. Like when I went to high school, I went into a high school that was not in the Southeast side of San Diego. It was like a predominantly white school, but it also had a lot of diversity. So I was seeing like so many people for the first time. I was like, man, I've never seen so many white people in one place. I've never seen like, I've never even knew what Mormon was until I came to this school. Like, you know what I mean? Like there was so much new to me. And I was just like, didn't know how to be myself when I wasn't surrounded by people who made me feel like it was safe enough to be myself. And that feeling has followed me into corporate spaces, like you're saying. And like, let's let's break that down. I want to go into Jasmine's world of moving from San Antonio to Austin to how did you get to to Meta? We're going to move into our cafecito and cheese real quick, which uh, I hope you have your cafecito with you. Listen, cafecito, and it also says estoy bien on the side. So I am a public policy manager leading community engagement at Meta, which is formerly Facebook. Um, here I build and preserve strong and resilient communities in the cities that we have a presence in. So my region is the Southwest region and my predominantly um, areas that I cover is Austin and Denver, but I also touch and support uh, DC. And here we, you know, make local investments that really just reflect the community needs and our company's core values. Got it. And how did you, I'm curious, how did you get into, I guess there's a little story there, right? How did you get into like meta or how did you get into this work? Is it something that you've always like wanted to do? How did this, this kind of become a career trajectory for you? Yeah, so I was actually reached out on LinkedIn. Um, I out. received a message from a recruiter. Shout out to LinkedIn. Um, also, anybody listening, make sure you update your LinkedIn. Always have that um, in your back pocket. Um, but yeah, so I was um, recruiting on LinkedIn. Someone reached out to me about a role that brought uh, both my marketing background and my PR background together. Um, to develop new products for um, folks in the community that were part of marginalized communities. So think about left-handers, blind folks, hard-of-hearing folks. Um, how are they using our family of apps? And were the products we, we were building, were they meaning the community where they were at, right? Like if we develop a button in a certain color, folks that are colorblind can't see that button because they can't see that color. So how do we make it better? How do we make it stronger? Folks that are hard of hearing, are captions up to date? Are they servicing these communities and reaching these communities? Um, and I've been in this line of work. I come from these communities, right? Like I was the Boys and Girls Club kid. I was the YMCA kid. I was the after school programs that were available for lower income families who couldn't afford babysitting. And so it really is just a full circle moment for me because I come from them. I know what they need. I know what they've been through. And it's just a beautiful story, I think, in corporate um, because I can intentionally show up into these communities and they're willing to speak to me because it's something that they may relate to. It's something that they recognize, um, you know, because when building like a community engagement strategy, I think a lot of these communities think that it's a PR stunt or that we have to do it and we have to show up. But when I come in, it's less transactional and it's more about building community and building these relationships and making sure that we're intentional and impactful in the ways that we we show up. And I think that I was thinking about this the other day that how is my culture showing up in my work and the work that I do? Like, yes, I service um, Part of the communities I serve is Latinx community, 
but how does my culture influence that? And I was like, well, we do business differently. Like I'm, when I meet with you and our community partners, I'm going to ask you how your mom is. I'm going to ask you how your grandma is or what Nita is, right? I'm going to ask you if you're hungry. Like that's how we build relationships is putting people first. And I think that that has been a, a win for Meta and for any type of professional setting that I've been in because it's a, I put the company in a very unique position of having these backgrounds and having this experience. So I've been in this line of work for a little over 10 years and I absolutely love it. And there's been many humbling experiences, um, but just so many joyous moments too, where when folks are talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, I then can come to the forefront and say, this is what our community is really asking for. And these are the ways that we can show up. We can show up with programming. We can show up with funding. We can show up with donating laptops because now we've gone to a virtual setting and black, predominantly black and Latinx students can't afford Wi-Fi at home, much less have a laptop. Like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean for virtual learning in zip codes that already don't receive a lot of educational funding? Like what ways can we really show up and, and get these laptops out to the students and say like, hey, you can work from home. Like we are showing up and helping you, right? So my job was a full circle moment. Absolutely love it. And I've also pulled my parents into it too. And I'm so fortunate for the tech industry and, and really advocating for other Latinas in tech to join the tech industry because it's a world that I didn't know existed, but it has provided so many opportunities like retirement or resources or educational aspects like mommy gets to my mommy gets to experience the world now like she put her feet in the hawaii islands because of the position now you know when i think about that and i'm like all your struggles and all and papi would have come came damien but he doesn't like planes he's afraid of heights The love for him and the, you know, the, the benefits are different with him, but I'm fortunate to be in this position because it's, it's a win for all of us. And I took my mommy to New York a couple weeks ago and just to see, I guess, comms didn't prepare me for this emotional part, but like, I, I know girl mommy. making me cry good. <laughs> I see mommy look at Times Square with just hard eyes and like standing and spinning around. And I'm like, this industry and this struggle and this work has just afforded so much beauty. And there's always that light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, each little milestone, the light gets a little bit further. But to enjoy those little milestones in between and enjoy the ride and being like, mommy would have never envisioned Hawaii. Mommy would have never envisioned being in New York. Or not even having to worry about the funding, right? Like, mommy, get us here to New York. I want to, we're going, we leave next week. I, it's just so beautiful to kind of be in this position and be from circle in that moment. Oh, girl, you, you made me cry like a good three times in this episode already. <laughs> I, it's so beautiful because you keep alluding to this full circle moment. And I think in a way, life is full of a collection of these full circle moments, taking your mom to Times Square, having her feel the sand in Hawaii, your dad enjoying different benefits that don't involve flying because he's scared, but it involves something different that for him fills his cup, right? And it's almost like what you were saying at the very beginning of this episode, you're your abuelo's dream, right? And I think that's the really the perfect way to encapsulate this first gen experience is we're the ones carrying all of our family ancestors dreams and aspirations and goals and along with those dreams and goals we're also carrying our own and sometimes it's a mesh sometimes it's all just one big goal of seeing your family not struggle of having them go to the grocery store and not worry about getting a candy bar because of the dentist and you know not worrying about the milk price and like that to me is those full circle moments where you're like, this is why I'm busting my ass, right? This is why I'm working so hard. And this is why they did all these sacrifices, made all these sacrifices, because it brings you to these little moments. That's mm-hmm. worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, girl, 
I just feel so like this conversation is just so beautiful. And what I love about what you were saying was like, how does your culture play a role in these moments, right? When you're, you're at Meta in a meeting, whatever it is that you're doing. And I think back to your mom giving you the food and saying, go give it to, to the vecino, fulano, fulano. And you're like, no, no quiero. And they're like, go, you know, just go. Thinking about what I think Latinos, no one builds communities like Latinos. Like no one does it like Latinos. And because for a lot of reasons, the way we, and I think this is part of what brings Latinos together is that warmth, that like, I yes. got your back. And, and we got our backs in different ways, whether it's food, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's come live with me. I can't tell you how many strangers have lived in my house because my parents are like, Ben. Yeah, but I got <laughs> and I'm I'm excited to be that Latina mom, the man, right? Girl, like same. Yep. I I want to have extra rooms in my house in the event that there are friends of my kids who are going through stuff and they they need that extra help. My door is open, oh. you know, and just having that and like Latinos are, and I mean even now like some friends are like, hey, I'm in between. I'm like, no questions asked. Come in. Oh yeah. Like oh, yeah. when yeah. I eat. We all eat. Like, let's not pull a chair up at the table. Let's make the table longer. Like, yeah. how, what decisions am I making today in work? What decisions mm-hmm. today am I making outside of work? How is that going to affect my community? And that's always top of mind. And it goes back to, like I said, just leading with empathy, leading with community at the core of who we are, like making sure we have grace for people. Like, I think this world has just been being so quickly for so long that not that it took a pandemic for us to slow down, but in some ways it did. But it did, yeah. But we now get to snap and reflect and be like, what is important to me? Like, what are my boundaries? What is fulfilling me? What is filling my cup? What is, can I pour into somebody else's cup that is empty? Like, how can we all just like work together? But like you said, Latinos do it different. Like, we connect differently. Mm-hmm. We're intentional about things. Like, it's just so, <sighs> it's so warm. Oh, my God. I remember I'll tell you this quick story because I really do feel like we, we've inherited these gifts from our family. And they inherited from their ancestors because I feel like Latinos are so giving. Like, we're always just so giving, whether it's <laughs> our time, our energy, our cafe, our comida. Like, we are so giving and we love to give. We love to build community. I remember I had this friend that came over and, you know, he didn't grow up with like a lot of, um, he didn't grow up with people like giving him food at every like second, like saying, tienes hambre, quieres comida, like, que quieres, que quieres que te haga. And that's my mom, like, well, that's full on my, my mother. She's like, mm-hmm. quieres comer. You enter the door, she's like, quieres comer, hay comida. Yeah, quieres, the moment, quieres. like, I'm the like, mommy, you don't want a hug? Like, no quieres besitos? Hello, yeah. hi. <laughs> The moment you step in, it's like, ¿qué quieres? Hice comida. Uh-huh. Carne en coco, yeah, it's varias, tortillas, ¿qué it's, quieres? It's already made. I'm it's like, already uh-huh. made. It's done. What if I didn't want enchiladas today? And she's like, well, ¿qué quieres? ¿Quieres latas? And I'm like, yeah. no, I was kidding. But like, it was just, it's already made. It's already, it's already and made. Like, and like, my friend was just so overwhelmed by how much love my parents had they were like what do you want to sit down do you want something to drink do you want coffee do you want this and he was just like getting emotional just thinking about there's this family out here who doesn't know him has has talked to him one time but is willing to give so much of themselves to make this person feel at home and we had a conversation about it and I was like that's my family. Like that's, that's who I grew up with. That's who I am. This is Latinos, right? This is who we are. And I think embracing the fullness of what that means and like just what you're talking about, right? Going into these spaces and saying, are you hungry? Did you eat? Like that's, that's Latina. That's yeah. Latina through and through. That's that Latina mom in you. <laughs> we're part, girl. And we're normalizing that, right? Like, I think like uh-huh. you don't have to be so stiff and corporate. Like, you don't oh, have yeah. to just be so professional and, like, cookie cutter. Like, okay. I'm I'm sorry if I'm going to be in a meeting and get teary-eyed. Like, I, Me there's something time. that, you know, the strong person can teach it, right? Yeah. I'm like, no, put you on that. I'm going to get that. And, like, don't be awkward about it. Like, I'm just, I see a beautiful story or, like, a beautiful campaign that so many smart people worked on. And mm. I get emotion emotional about it. Like, mm. let me share that. Let me. Let me make sure that, you know, I'm coming in as my authentic self. 
let me oh. make sure that I give the props to the right people that deserve it. But like you, you were seen and you were heard. When we were in the office, um, the people that I connected with most were facilities folks, folks that were cleaning their desks, that were vacuuming, you know, when it was because that's diversity in tech is, is getting better, but I've joined the industry six years ago and it wasn't like that. And so, but I also had, like I said, I put the company at a unique position because I had that perspective of my dad was a janitor. And I remember my dad coming home and feeling so lonely that nobody would acknowledge that, acknowledge him. Or people would just like throw the trash on the ground when the trash can was 10 feet away. And he mm -hmm. would go and have to sweep it up, put it in the trash can. So when I go into these spaces, I was acknowledging our janitorial staff, our facility staff, and being like, hi, like me and with Jasmine, like, you know, who are you? Where do you come from? Like, tienes hambre, I'll go get you food. Like, you know, coming in and being like, oh, I brought you cafecito. Like, making sure they felt seen and heard and, and you know, just part of a community. Mm. And I even did it. I'm very thankful and fortunate that my team is very diverse and we all do very similar work. But when I first got this position, I emailed my director, who is Latino. Um, his family's from Mexico. Um, I like me, he's a Gates Millennium Scholar. So we were both on full ride scholarships. So there was that connection. But I remember when I, I, he called me and was like, I, I want you on this team. I said, I one was very grateful and so excited because dream role and I get to serve the communities I come from. But I sent him an email and I was like, one, thank you. But two, this is a generational win. Like I, I want you to acknowledge that this is not a win just for me to be in the tech company. But this is generational men. Like this is for mommy, papi. This is for my abuelitos. This is for my future kids that I get to be financially stable and have that already when they're here, you know. And that's why, like, I advocate so hard for the tech company or the tech industry and being a, a board member of Latinas in Tech or starting my own nonprofit, Latinos in Tech. Like, I there's just so much goodness that comes from it that. I'm like, we, we got to have more of us in here because we can change the way that people connect with one another. We can change yeah. the way that people interact, that people, you know, are seen and heard. So it's just a beautiful moment to kind of be supported and be with that privilege that I'm like, I, I know that people value me here. Mm. Shout out to being a Latina in tech. <laughs> Yeah, like yes, yes girl. <laughs> yes, I want girl. to. I want to ask you one question before we go into our closing because you're you've been <laughs> in tech for the past ten years. You said right. How mm -hmm. how did you start to take up space? How did you start to really like be in these in these spaces that maybe you didn't see yourself represented in? How did you start to bring your full self and minimize the code switching, the uncomfortableness? Like, how did you, or discomfort, I should say, but how did you really come into these spaces as your own? Yeah. So I think for years I was told, do this, do that. I was told to be somebody, right? I was, we talked about masking earlier. Yeah. And I think I just wanted to be myself. Like, I was always the child that was like, ¿por qué no? Like, and I mean, to be honest, still am, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to do what I want. And if mm -hmm. I fail, fail forward. And if I fail, it's because I didn't know. And these are the type of things and conversations that I want to bring to the forefront that if I do something wrong, I want other people, when you think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, I didn't have the resources that my counterparts had growing up. I don't know how to quote unquote, correctly speak in a meeting. Like if I fit, like if I say things wrong, tell me how to be better. I haven't had somebody to kind of guide me, right? And I think for just so long, it was draining to me that I was living or forming myself into what made other people feel comfortable. And I've always talked about this idea of corporate hood. And in, hey. I know, you know, we talked about a little bit, but like, I'm from the <laughs> My mannerisms are different, right? How I speak yeah. to people is different, but that doesn't mean that I can't be that self in its entirety 
in the workspace because I still deliver the impact you're asking me to. And it's beautiful. But I also want, it's so important to me for the hood or Southside San Antonio kids to know, <laughs> like, you have a space here too. And whatever corporate means, whatever industry they want to be in, they have a space here too. And I want them to be like, oh, she works in tech and she's wearing her Cortezes and she has her four inch hoops on. Like, I could do that. Yes. Okay, girl. (laughs) Come in, come into this space. And I just, I think for me, I talked about it evolving. And I think I had just had a a self uh, reflecting moment where I just felt like a fraud. I was going through interviews and I was talking to people and I was saying, you know, be yourself and, you know, show up authentically. But I wasn't doing that. And it's just so empowering to me to have that self-reflection moment and being like, uh, I'm going to call you out on this. Like you were showing up in these spaces. Are you telling people and giving people advice of, mm. oh, showing up as yourself. And then you sit in these meetings and you're quiet. You go to a meeting and you're in a blazer. Like that's not you. So what are you, are you going to change that? And so because that was just so empowering to be like, you're right. Like why? Why does who I am make you feel uncomfortable? You sit with that bias. That's not on me to educate you. I know that I'm leading with my heart. I know that I'm coming in and delivering impact. And I know that my intentions are so good that I cannot get off track. Mm. So let me come as my full self and you enjoy that. Like it is such a joy. And I, I wish this for other folks to have that like reflection moment too, that it is such a joy for people to know you and know what you bring to the table. Don't hide that. Like, show up authentically. And if people don't like it, then they miss out. But like, I'm just, I got tired and it was just so draining for me to be somebody else at work and then to come home. And if that was kind of like, I was just like, I'm laying on my couch. My brain is tired. Like, yeah, now I'm it's just exhausting so work. It's exhausting work. It's exhausting. And you yeah. don't realize because you're not cognizant about it, right? And this is something I think we've done for so long. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, like, we no. got to unlearn it. It's like a whole thing that you we have to unlearn it. Oh, girl. But I bet it felt so liberating when you were like, I'm going to just yes. be Jasmine. I'm going to just be me. And they're going to love me or hate me. And I and don't care. Just, <laughs> that part, girl, like, learn yeah. from me. Like, I, yeah. I, I want you to, to feel comfortable with being yourself. And you don't yeah. have to be Latinx. You don't have to identify as a person of color. Like you can show up authentically and like, you know, shout out to my LGBTQIA family. Like if they want to come in and be themselves, they can come in and be themselves. And if you're in a room with me, I will make you feel seen and heard and I will be the best ally, right? Like we just have so many ways that we can show up. And I say this with a huge asterisk, underline, bolded, show up as authentically as you can in safe spaces. Because it is still a v- very much a privilege to be able to do so. And I acknowledge that. And I want people to just feel comfortable doing that in these safe spaces. And if not, then maybe there's somebody around you that can help you be that ally or help be that ally for you to create that safe space, right? So mm-hmm. it was just a lot of self-reflection and growth. And and for me to just sit back and be like, no, y'all get to, I'm pretty cool. Like, y'all, y'all should know, like. That's Antonio girl brings like I look at little Chiquita Jasmine and and it for me it's just very comforting too because I go into these communities and you know pre-COVID but I would get presentations and I would meet with black and brown kids and some of them were really shy and the the beauty of language one of them was really shy and I was like what's wrong like why you know she's not really interacting so I just go over there and I'm like, oh, man, like, what's up? Me and Jasmine, her face lit up. And this is the importance of representation. You can't be what you can't see. So when you had volunteers there that didn't look like them, they, she shied away. And then you could just see. And I was like, oh, this is a language barrier. And I'm like, bet I know where I'm going to stay bet. for the rest of the day to make sure she, <laughs> there you go. You know, like, that's me. That's the yeah. mannerisms. But like, I'm going to see with her. And then we're going to finish this activity together so that she knows, mm-hmm. like, I'm, she's one of me. I'm one of her. You know, like, 
and then that's why I show up in these spaces authentically. Like, I want you to know you can wear sneakers in corporate and, you know, learn about computers and show up with your hoops. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to change that, you know? So I, and then I see like other people and, and, no shade to them if they want to wear their blazers and that's your authentic self i support it 100 percent. you just won't catch me in a suit because i don't feel comfortable i'm gonna be awkward <laughs> like i'm gonna stand there. like that's not the greatest jasmine i can bring you know like i want to be comfortable mm-hmm. sometimes i show up in sweats and a hoodie and i'm like yo what's good yeah. and you're gonna ask me if things are delivered and they're there and there's just there's so much beauty in just being our authentic selves and I think we can just learn from so many people's personalities and cultures and backgrounds that like we can then kind of adopt and have this like melting pot of people at the forefront Mm. you are just like the dopest and I'm so happy that you're here because you're talking about something so real and I literally like when you're talking about that little girl like I just picture myself as a little girl seeing all this like newness and I'm like (laughs) like I don't see myself in anyone mm-hmm. and feeling that way for hella long. I was like, everybody looks the same, talks the same, wears the same shit. Like, where's mm-hmm. this authenticity? Like, where's the real stuff? Like, where's the real people at? And you kind of get to that point. Like, what you were saying is like, we well, can't see what you can't be. And I was like, oh, girl, yes, because it's true. Once you start seeing I'm like, I remember going into into like meetings and the first time I wore a blazer, I was like, man, I feel like this is not me. Like, I can't even I can't even function. I'm just like trying to be out proper. (laughs) Or like the mirror, like just, you know, that's one thing with clothing, but like sitting so proper at a a meeting, Mm. you know, and like having like, do I I put my hands on the table and I'm like looking around and I'm trying to learn. From other Bro. people that graduate from Stanford, from Yale, from Princeton. And I'm like, I, I know you got money. You probably had etiquette classes. I don't know nothing about nothing. So yeah. like, do I have to wait to speak up? Do I, do I have to like, do I raise my hand? Like it was just such a new world. And that's where I think I got comfortable with failing forward and being like, if I do it wrong, it's because I didn't know. Yeah. Like, and you can't fault me for that. Because these are the yeah. things when I have to assimilate, there's no book on assimilation. I just, you just got to figure it out. I can't call mommy, Bobby and be like, mommy, what do I do here? She's going to be like, kid, yeah. like, what? Like, she's not going to understand. Like, what, the do you, what do you even do? Where do you go? Where do you work? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm like, on Facebook. And I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> yes. Mommy. I'm like, what do I do? And she's like, uh, I said, like, you do events, right? And I'm like, uh. so I've like taken her and, the, you know, showing her the work that I do. But yeah, it's just overall, I think just showing up in different capacities and different ways and being okay with that and being okay to fail but like to also people listening that aren't in my position that may be um someone in leadership that doesn't look like us it doesn't sound like us it doesn't come from backgrounds like us lead with empathy if we don't do things correct where has that correct um mentality come from because these systems were built for us so is that a a bias that you've come up with or is that a system that has been traditionally serving a different community and not us so it's what you're used to but not something you're willing to to change like be open to that change and be open that there's so many other people that can create impact and show you the world that you may not experience mm. Girl, because let me tell you, these spaces and places were not always created for our people, for people, for black and brown people, was not created for Latino people. I mean, like, these are spaces that we're navigating for the very first time. And there is no handbook on it. Like, there isn't. And what I'm hoping to do, and this is what you're doing as well, is create these spaces where people can listen to your story and be like, well, Jasmine's doing it. Now I want to do it, too in my space and it's going to create this ripple effect and that's my hope and that's my like my mission right for these spaces is to create that representation that we we needed when we were younger that we still need to this day right Mm -hmm. (sighs) girl big abrazos to you I'm just like I knew this conversation was gonna like be dope but I did not know I was gonna be crying and like (laughs) just feeling like oh my god I just feel so seen with you I just, I already picture us like the tias that are outside having a cafecito in the morning with our pan dulce. Girl, I'm going to come visit you in Texas. Like, I'm going to come. I'm going to come. 
I want to close this beautiful conversation because I could talk to you for days. I want to close with a little with a little bit these. And what I like doing here is um, kind of closing with this v- virtual like cheers, if you will, with our cafecito because, you know, it's early. Um, but I want to give you the space to manifest some good for our Latino community and say what you want to cheers to. So, my girl, what do you want to cheers to and what do you want to manifest for nuestra gente? I want to cheers to grace and growth and peace. I think we deserve all of the above. And I think to really just bring it all together, I want to cheers to community. We don't get to where we're at by ourselves, whether we subconsciously connected with someone or consciously connected with someone. We got here because of a community and I still want to manifest that. And I hope that people find their place where they feel seen and feel heard and feel supported. And 2022 is going to be a great year for all of us. And I hope we get to rest and I hope that, you know, we, we get to go from surviving to thriving. Like we are really changing what it means to be Latinx in this world. And I love that for us. And so I just hope that there's just so much goodness to come for us and, and that we we create those spaces for ourselves. Oh, well, salud, girl. I have so much love for you. Thank you for being on Hello Latino. <laughs> Cheers, girl. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode and shout out to all the Latinas in tech out here representing and huge, huge shout out to Jasmine Vallejo for making space for more of us in these spaces. If y'all want to connect with Jasmine, go to Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and you can find her at Jasmine Vallejo. And for more updates on Hello Latino, check out Hello Latino podcast on IG. And you can follow me on my personal one too, at ojasmine with four A's, and find me on LinkedIn. My website, olalisjasmine.com, also has more information if you are interested. Con mucho amor, tu amiga